rankings or you know even moderate rankings if you're able to present yourself as more of a premium product i think that you know long term you have a lot more upside welcome to the 10k collective podcast for six seven and eight figure amazon and e-commerce sellers part of the amazing fba podcast family if you want to scale fast target a seven figure exit and enjoy the process then keep listening Eva serves hundreds of private label seven-figure sellers. To get a 15-day free trial, go to amazingfba.com forward slash Eva. That's amazingfba.com forward slash E-V-A. Ladles and jelly spoons, boys and girls, welcome to the 10K Collective podcast, the place to be for six, seven and eight figure Amazon sellers and e-commerce sellers. But more broadly, I think um, entrepreneurs, there are many lessons to be learned if you think slightly outside the box. Today's guest, Scott Needham, needs very little introduction. He's the owner of two very different um e-commerce businesses, both of which I think are going towards a sale or an exit. Uh, so tons to talk about there. And of course, the owner and, and creator of Smart Scout, one of the, the go-to softwares out there for Amazon sellers. So Scott, it's been a, a while coming. Fantastic to, to get you on the show. Thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, no, thank you for having me on. Pleasure. So today I want to talk about, I'm going to do two bite-sized episodes about buying, scaling and selling Amazon businesses. But of course, Amazon businesses can encompass so many different models, specifically sourcing models. So I know that instead of just building from scratch a private label business and then selling it, which is very difficult, challenging and worthy of praise, but very common, you actually bought and are scaling a private level business, which is quite different. So my first question is, why would you buy and then scale? Why not just build from scratch? What was your thinking behind that? What well, opportunity was there? So to take, so the, the private label business that I bought a year ago was actually my cousin's business. And I saw him grow it. I flew to China with him once to meet with suppliers. So I had some familiarity with the business, saw what it took. And we did fairly well in our uh, reselling business by Boxer. And so that's what that's where we invested in is, you know, a, a private label business. And this still was during the time when, you know, we actually were competing against Thrasio on the bid, but having my cousin as the owner, that kind of was the personal connection that helped us, you know, win. And because we offered him the fastest route out, out of the business. So, and because we had a lot of expertise in Amazon for, you know, I've been selling for seven, eight years, starting in private label, it was kind of a natural fit. And even today, actually last night, I was doing things. I was launching some very specific advertising campaigns across both business models and kind of see how they work. So, you know, still in the same space, Amazon, just like one business model to another. Yeah. Interesting. So a couple of things that strike me. One is uh, skill sets are very portable, even though businesses <laughs> really aren't sometimes. So that that makes sense. You're sort of leveraging a similar skill set, not the same, but similar across multiple sort of business models. Speed. I, I remember a business coach of mine saying speed stuns. There's something magic about speed, right? If somebody really wants to move and there shows a certain seriousness, if you actually buy stuff quickly, there's always that thing in the back of your mind if you're selling something, isn't there? Whatever it is, a business, a, a deal, a physical you know, product that a person doesn't move quickly, you kind of think, yeah, are they really serious? Are they actually going to do it? And and if somebody else is like, I'm, I'm in, go, here's the money, 
that's always really powerful, right? And the personal connection, there's nothing, there's no substitute for that as well. I mean, very old school business wisdom, but I like the fact that it comes up in the tech world. So tell me about the buying it as opposed to building. What are the upsides of, of doing it that way, would you say? Well, so many of the tough things we didn't have to worry about. We had products that were already selling and, you know, had like, you know, hundreds of reviews. We had the sourcing in China down. The, the way that he had his business set up was he was speaking with multiple manufacturers, but he had a, a really good relationship with his sourcing agent where her team actually groups all of the, you know, the, the multiple manufacturers to, that she groups them at, at her warehouse. So she offers a lot of services and then we're able to ship over containers at a time and, you know, get a cost savings there. So a lot of the, the, the tough stuff was already there. All I had to do was focus on, you know, Amazon related things like the marketing, you know, how are we going to advertise? How are we going to, you know, improve on products? Are we going to try and squeeze more margin out of certain things? So if there was actually one big change that we made, we actually just raised the prices across the board. And because, you know, 2021, everyone knows that stock was, it was an issue. We had our own. And so we just decided we had to raise prices and that's the way, you know, we increase the value of the business. Yeah, very simple. By the way, the smartest people I know are doing a lot of the simplest sounding things, but to actually do it takes some courage, which is just raising your price. I mean, 100%, this seems to be the conclusion that the 10K Collective Mastermind members have been coming to, some of them after like two years, I mean, and they're not stupid people. Some of them have been busy business their entire lives in retail. So it can take a while to go, ah, actually, we, we really have to raise our prices because we've been trained by years of experience that it only goes one way, are you down? And that ain't true. I was just reading today that I think US consumer inflation is running about 5.8% uh, year on year in November. So, you know, that's the environment we're in, right? So wise response, I think. Yeah. I mean, I feel like in all parts of selling on Amazon, you have to find excuses. You have to find reasons to justify to raise your prices. Like, you know, you it's not a very easy business model to do if you're on razor thin margins. But if you have a more attractive product, say, you know, your packaging and like you've got really good um, rankings or, you know, even moderate rankings, if you're able to present yourself as more of a premium product, I think that, you know, long term, you have a lot more upside. And one way that we look at it is we consider like uh, price bands. We kind of say like, well, say you have a product that's like uh, $21, you're selling it for 21. Well, in the eyes of the consumer... 21 and 22 and 23 are just about the same number. You know, people aren't making, that doesn't really affect our conversion rate. But if you go over one of these like, you know, thresholds, like say you go from like $19, $19.95 to like to $21, you go over that $20 mark. And we do see bumps in conversion rates. So a lot of our increasing margins, we just like, we'll be like, well, we're at 22, might as well go up to 24 because we're not above 25. People don't see that. And we, we find that that's the easiest spots to, you know, to, to, to raise your margins at. Very interesting. Yeah, that makes sense. So what they call psychological pricing. I think there's there's two words around that. And there's the psychological pricing thing. Like, is it 
that that thing obsession of internet marketers ever sell something forty seven dollars and forty seven cents and stuff. And I don't. I was talking yesterday. I interviewed Hi uh, Mark, who's the CEO of a very sophisticated repricing engine, amongst many other things, Eva.guru. And he said, yeah, the evidence isn't in so far that that actually makes a difference. Whereas I think you're absolutely bang on with the price band because it's much more real. I mean, consumers aren't particularly stupid. They're used to like twenty one ninety five. They're basically thinking, yeah, it's kind of twenty two, but they're not going to sit there and do higher maths. <laughs> so yeah. I, I really like that. Super simple, but that's a massive hint to everyone. Okay, so what are the challenges then of obviously the upsides? By the way, of the the uh, supply chain being in place, I think it's absolutely monstrous. I mean, that's at least a year of stress out of your life, isn't it? But there have yeah. to be challenges as well. I'm guessing. Well, so I mean, yeah, there's plenty of challenges. It's hard to to change a business, especially you know it's more established. So think about when you're starting a new business very easy to make a change. You know, every little thing you do, like you see the results immediately. But the more established a business is, it takes a more effort to make a smaller difference. And that's kind of how it felt. Certainly there were, you know, we we restructured our advertising, focused on different products, even launched a, a few new products. But you know, some of the challenges are just running the business. And that is really the supply chain and logistics and like, you know, financing a certain part that probably took more uh, headaches. If you're ever going to buy a business, like uh, one cautionary tale, I'd say it's like, you're also buying their headaches. So whatever it took to like run the business, um, like we were buying into that. And I told my brother who I partner with, I was like, Hey, before we like jump all in on this, like understand that like, Yes, we're buying you know a profitable business, but we're also going to inherit those headaches. And our the biggest reason why uh, it wasn't too many headaches is we had operators of the business. So I really only spent about four or five hours a week on uh, this private label business to manage it, but had an operator that was spending you know uh, a full time on it and. That allowed me to, you know, act, uh, like I said, like uh, I've done a few different business models on Amazon, and the only way that I'm able to like even stay above board is is, is putting in people to 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 operate them. And you know, I kind of feel like a little bit like you know the puppet master, and you know, like try and move the levers as I see them. And actually, I listen to podcasts all the time to to so that I am moving the right levers. And I I, I cannot stress enough like how important education is, and asking questions and just continuously learning so like you have better experiments. Yeah, that's uh, so interesting. So many bits of wisdom there. Yeah. What I've noticed is that certain types of businesses, they're, they're, particularly, for example, in supplements, they're very profitable, partly because there's a barrier to entry, but there's a barrier to entry partly because it's intrinsically kind of got a medical or legal or ethical question mark that every so often gets raised more strongly than others by the federal government or California seems very fond, for example, of <laughs> just throwing all sorts of legislation and taxes at, at businesses you didn't even know could exist. So, you know, and they're not the only one. I'm not anti-California, but there are various states. They're the one that seem to come up the most often for, for Brits anyway. So, yeah, I, I take your point on the headaches. And sometimes the headaches are hidden things, aren't they? I mean, you, you, can... um, you know, you're totally right about California. We, we actually got wrapped into a lawsuit recently involved that around their Proposition 65, you know, a product that has certain materials in it, you have to like say like, hey, this may cause cancer. And like we got roped in and like we've only sold a few units. So California, yeah, watch out for that one. 
Yeah, Prop 65 is, is becoming quite infamous amongst that. I've not really heard many people talk about it, but one or two mastermind members I've got that sell in, in America. And obviously amongst that, therefore in California, we've got absolutely slammed with Prop 65 stuff. So, and the other thing is just strange, unexpected consequences. For example, you, you go and get professional tax advice if you're UK based or US, whatever. And you say, okay, you should register for sales tax in certain states. And of course that's changing, but state by state quite frequently, or especially in the last couple of years. And then of course, what that happens is that you register for sales tax you deal with that and then they go ah there's uh, state corporation tax there's prop 65 there's this there's that there's like 10 other compliance things so yeah there's a lot of stings in tails i think when it comes to legal side so i'm i'm not a lawyer i'm just flagging this stuff up i can't advise anyone that you'd want to either would you but yeah good good reality check so it sounds like you had gone in with the mindset that you knew about that and you had great operations people in place so yeah. how did you actually go about i was going to ask you about raising the money but more excitingly let's skip to scale so how much can I ask first of all just given an idea of the size of the business if you had a full-time COO or equivalent yeah. presumably it was substantial um, size so uh, can you give us a rough idea you know it's about three million dollars revenue and that's the the business that we bought and actually we didn't grow that tried to but you know supply chain we had some stock issues we had two products that competitors came in and really made it difficult they just weren't the same you know, the, the category just changed and, you know, still trying to figure out some tactics to, to, to keep ahead of the storm. My the latest, just to go into it was, you know, started some Google advertising, Google into Amazon and seeing if that can affect our sales ranks. Let's see. So yeah, we, we, we didn't actually, it, it was very hard to grow a business this year when, you know, it seems like shipping times every single month gets a month longer. So, yeah. Yeah, that's one of those infinite re recursive things, isn't it? Like if it gets a month longer every month, it basically means it never arrives, which kind of can happen, can't it? I remember a friend of mine, he, he sold some, he got in, uh, he thought enough stock for six months. He sold out in three weeks or maybe even less. And there was out of stock for nine months. I mean, and that was in early-ish uh, 2020, I think. So it's not even 2021. That's, that's the only time it's been crazy. Yeah, so it's, <laughs> it's an interesting reality check, isn't it? There are quite a, a couple of, the businesses I work with sort of decided that they were go, going for on the basis of last year's sales 2020 when there was lockdown and crazy growth, particularly in the UK, very, very strong adoption of e-commerce went up to 45% for retail at one point. And it's now still around 25%, but that's a big drop, right? So they, they were saying, okay, we're targeting 4 million this year. And then they, they're, they're actually like, ah, oh, we're back to targeting 2.5. So there's <laughs> big, big reality checks going on right now. So what would you say are your learnings so far from doing this? Is it something you'd do again? If so, what would you do the same? What would you do? Well, I'll tell you what I would do differently is day one, I'd make sure that I have the finances like just like set up correctly. I don't know taxes, but I think it was kind of a mistake to not hire an accounting professional that really knows how to set these things up. There's a... a you don't have to search too far to find someone, someone that can do this as like a part-time. And especially a business of this size, you know, you know, we're doing 3 million in revenue a year. I've learned the last two months, you know, how much it would have benefited us if we just started from the beginning and, and, and had it. So there's a cautionary tale. Always make your financial uh, modeling and your accounting be a strength to your business. You'll, it, it, it'll catch up to you eventually, no matter what. 
Looking to increase your online sales? Join Ecom Events at one of their four events throughout the USA Miami in January, San Diego in March, Minneapolis in July, and New York City in October. The conference offers learning, tips, and tools needed to increase your sales, networking, food and refreshments, prize drawing, and lots of fun for all seller levels. Head on over to www.e-comevents.com and register today with promo code AMAZINGFBA to save $50 off your ticket cost. Yeah, absolutely. And that's something I hear back from a lot of aggregators and brokers. Many have had many, many conversations with them, sometimes privately helping clients to try and sell their businesses, sometimes in public. Yeah, so that's a theme that comes back. And look, it's easy to say after the event, isn't it? Hindsight's twenty twenty vision. So now you know. I guess that those are the lessons that stick, right? What would you do the same, or what? What do you think worked well that is worth you know bearing in mind for the future for other people listening? Um, you know, really, some of the good practices of the business that I bought. Like, I'm so glad like they had it. I think that having a sourcing agent that you trust is just the best thing you can do because you know manufacturers your incentives aren't always aligned but having someone that speaks chinese that speaks their language this is obviously since we're sourcing most of our products out of china but having someone you know close that can communicate on your behalf is going to just reduce so many headaches so i love and totally promote sourcing agent. So it'll be the best money you spend. They're not even particularly expensive on a per unit basis, anywhere from 10, 20 cents uh, a unit. When your wholesale costs are usually, you know, two to $5, like having the, the these inspections that it, without that, our business would have probably failed. We would have had some products that just wouldn't have worked out. We couldn't have gotten on top of logistics the way that we did. Yeah, that sounds huge. By the way, I just think that the other stuff is manageable. Eventually, not eventually, like right about now, <laughs> everyone's raising their prices as you have because like consumer inflation is all over the newspapers and the financial newspapers tend to get it a little bit earlier than the really popular, I don't know, YouTube channels, Fox News, whatever. I, I don't really have a good sense of w- what that is because I don't. I try not to consume normal news in the UK because it just winds me up. And <laughs> But, <laughs> you know, sooner or later, the, the average consumer is going to go, oh, prices are going up and therefore their expectation will be that prices go up. So we're going to have somewhere to, to put it into right but as you say if the sourcing's down like if the quality is bad if, if you can't trust your suppliers it, you know it's it's all for nothing <laughs> so I, I absolutely agree with that and and i'm always like if somebody comes to me new like and they say how do i start with sourcing on alibaba i say don't do that phone this guy or email this person i've got two or three trusted people one american one indian former sort of british resident yep. in, in china no, that's totally. like, you know that's just the way to go isn't it i mean i, um, I absolutely agree with that and you know one thing that's uh, I've done a lot this last year a lot is really leaned in to the help of virtual assistants from one country in particular that you know I've got like about 10 people like across my different businesses from the Philippines. I love their attitude. They they're very culturally aligned with the west. They 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 speak the ones that I talk with, they speak English without, you know, a strong accent. And, you know, I was just on a meeting with like four or five of them and it's great. We've sent them t-shirts, but the work that they do for us is, you know, it's, it, it's really good. It's, it's high quality work. And I mean, the reason that we're working with the VAs is in Philippines, three, $4 an hour is for some people, life-changing money. That is a really comfortable salary for them. And, 
then you know I get I'm able to get more eyes and more you know hand off a lot of operations to to others and it's 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 been a very good relationship and you know you can get different skill sets I have two software developers I've got a, a web flow you know a marketing site developer if I were to go deep into any other you know type of business I I would have to consider you know what they do so that's you know another thing that you that I've learned a lot this last year to keep you know everything uh, going smoothly. Nice. And, and by the way, yeah, I'm absolutely on the same page. You literally this morning, I was interviewing one VA with my um, VA who's leaving, sadly, helping me to interview. And, and there's like early, conscientious, well-prepared, very experienced, thoughtful responses, respectful. I mean, just like all the things you'd want an employer. I, I have had very, very good experiences in the Philippines. Again, for like three to four dollar an hour range. It's amazing the quality you can get. So absolutely with you on that and i, I think yeah. a lot of people have that experience if they do it the right way of course i mean and and don't be scared to pay a little bit more um, i've got some software developers i pay you know well more well above that but still half the rate from the us and these guys are smarter i've been actually all these businesses that i've been talking about like the reselling business and private label my role is actually a software developer kind of bringing in the data and the technology into place into the right places and i don't think i'm a dumb person and when i got a you know i got two software developers out of the philippines and when they're smarter than me like i'm very impressed i'm continuously impressed by some of their skill and I mean, we could spend an entire conversation just on them how to do this and then mm. how to grow with it but that's a date that we just definitely should do that but i, I promised we, we sort of promised each other and i'm promising the audience yeah. to, to keep it brief so yeah. that's one to to be continued because I, I love that subject there's so much to dig into there and i feel like i'm developing and trying to be a better manager and there's quite an art to that actually there's a lot we, we often yeah. start off a lot worse manager than you would expect of yourself like i would say i was like a grade e manager before i'm now going up to yeah. sort of c plus b minus maybe maybe on a good day so yeah to be continued but then i guess the the, the obvious next question is you bought you you're trying to work on scaling or, or you know managing the business what's next for you are you are you planning an exit to sell it or or is there no plan yeah. for that you're just going to buy and hold um, well, there's a lot of reasons why, but one is like, I'm so about a year ago, about the same time that I bought a private label business, I actually launched a software to four Amazon sellers uh, called Smart Scout. And, you know, I've been focusing on that. It's, it's had pretty good growth. I mean, I do get, you know, Amazon sellers that tell me this is the number one tool that they use. And like, I'm leaning into that. And so I've got to clear off, you know, I've got a lot of money invested in these businesses so you know my reasons are pretty clear that it's kind of i want to unlock some of that to be able to invest into my software business so yeah by selling both at the same time decisions were made you know a few months apart but it's kind of coming down at the same time we went to market with our private label business last week we are using a broker on that and then went to market with our reselling business actually about five months ago and just recently received an offer from someone. So yeah, the reselling business is a little bit more tricky, but we've actually achieved scale. We have about 70, 80 employees and, and finally found a fit for someone that wants to take it over. 
Yeah, that's always the thing, isn't it? There's always going to be a message to market or product to market match. And it's funny to think about an entire business as a product, but you've got to get your head. I think it's so educational yeah. for, for us to get our heads out of operational focus, which all of us have, and stand back 100,000 feet and go, right, this is a thing. There is a market for it. Some people will want characteristics of it. Some people will hate that. Who is the person for that? And it's it's a bit like selling real estate or something, I guess, right? It's it's uh, one one man's meat is another man's poison, as we say here. So, but it's interesting that you've you've managed to sell uh, a reselling business because they are famously a bit tricky to sell, and and that's what we're going to plunge into the next episode. So, just want to say quickly, you know, first of all, really some fascinating sort of teasers for really deep dive conversations anyone could have. Really, really interesting stuff, there, Scott, and congratulations on some amazing achievements in short space of time yeah, so what you. services do you guys offer you, you mentioned smart scout tell us a tiny bit more about what that is and yeah what it does. smart scout is probably in the same category as like a helium 10 but we actually don't have any of the same features we kind of do a very top-down approach to amazon analysis so that is you know we we look at brands we look at sellers and analyze them. We don't look at like products. Yeah, you can actually drill down and see like what the products are doing, but we we focus more on on the top level thing. And so, you know, we we show market share in the subcategories. You know, we take all the categories on Amazon, which uh, there's probably about 40,000 subcategories, and then show a market share across brands. And that gives you a perspective um, actually, a lot of times it's very inspiring. You're like, oh my goodness, there's only three players in this, which is usually a good thing. When you see a, f- a few main players, you see an opportunity. We actually, about two weeks ago, did a case study with our university here in town where we had about 10 teams. They had to justify, they had to, they had to launch a brand, a, a, an Amazon brand. And they use smart scout data to justify, to show the market opportunities. And it was like, you know, uh, there's about 10 presentations, about four of them. I'd invest in those businesses. I was like, oh my goodness, like what they were able to, to, to figure out. So they're all, there's also a few other tools that like uh, my private label business, someone's asking me like, hey, Scott, how can we model this product with an FBA calculator that helps you avoid FBA fees. And so we just built that into Smart Scout. And then, so really it's like all the ideas that I'm hearing that I, that there isn't a tool for in the marketplace. We're just starting with that and, and building that. It is a tool that actually, because uh, it does all the seller analysis, pretty much every Amazon aggregator out there is using it. We've been really uh, fortunate to connect with them you know, really show off sellers and estimate revenues, and they really dive into the tool. One thing that really captures people's attention and, and imaginations, we actually built out a seller map. We have one in the UK, we have one in the US, where you like, you, 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 you can uh, laser in into, say, New York City, and then the dots just like fly off the charts. Like there's dots for every single seller where they're located, and then you click on them, and we show you what brands they're selling and what their estimate revenue is. So it's got a lot of different use cases. Some of them would fit more of the reseller model. Some of them fit more of like a private label model. But usually when people, you know, a few sparks hit and and we get a few wow moments from anyone that's like considers themselves an Amazon professional. 
Very cool. Yeah, I've had a play with it myself. I haven't really had a chance to deep dive, but I really like the map thing. I mean, there is such a thing as geography, and I think there is such a thing as face-to-face meetings. It's not all online. I mean, if, if nothing else, COVID sort of flipped that conversation where everyone went, oh, you want to give up your day job you know, for our work week style and be a digital nomad. When everyone became a digital, well, not exactly nomad, <laughs> but digital stuck at home, everyone was like, ah, oh, I want to go back to the office. So there is value, I think, in knowing physical location and making those deeper connections, particularly if you're going to be reselling hundreds of thousands of dollars of somebody's product or something so that makes total sense to me one other thing i'm just going to tease very quickly because we're well over 20 minutes because there's so much to say and it's, it's hard to compress so much wisdom from you but you and i've been chatting about well talking quite seriously i guess about this conference that you are um putting yeah. together so you, let's tease that a bit what's what's going on yeah real quick there is so many events happening in the u.s right now my team's a little bit you know exhausted with all the traveling but where the biggest one is actually Prosper. And it's a very professional trade show. It's good education matched with like, you know, professional Amazon sellers and brands. And, but there isn't that, that isn't there in Europe yet. And so we've had a crazy idea to like make it happen. I've talked with the, probably about 20 service providers already and they love it. They want to be able to, you know, go global and and actually, you know, help sellers in Europe and kind of unify that marketplace. So we're in the early stages of putting together a trade show slash conference slash networking event in Europe. And, you know, anytime I show this and I talk to people, they're like, yes, we want this. We want to be able to show this off. So, and I, I actually, you know, started talking with Michael the two or three weeks ago, just to like, Hey, get some ideas. Like, Hey, if this, would this work? And there, there is a need for that. There's so many, you know, uh, a lot of it's just like bringing technology to European sellers that maybe they haven't adopted some of the latest and, you know, most cutting edge technologies and just bringing it to your doorstep is reason alone to to attend one of these so you can like do like 30 demos in like you know two or three hours really see all all the tech to to scale a business so a lot of reasons and you know i'm involved with the community and i i think this could be uh, something special so stay tuned on that and excellent well we'll certainly keep the audience um, posted about that yeah i was excited when you mentioned this because i think there is a need for something that's focused how can i put this <laughs> for the more established sellers and the more more focused sellers out there there are other events that i've even attended um shall we say that to have an awful lot of people that are just i suppose you call them tire kickers in the the sort of old school um, car sales terminology right that they're not ever going to do anything and that's fine and nothing against those people but there is a need for a place where you know serious sellers can congregate and as you say get the the cutting edge technology although your idea of a good time like 30 demos in three hours sounds like a, a brain melting experience <laughs> to me but i guess you as a tech developer you have more of a, a, a an appetite for these things than i do yeah, no, no, not not full scale demos, but just be able to like walk and you know see what's out there. You know, there are you know a half. There's a dozen you know PPC bit optimizers. Well, it'd be nice to see a few of them, you know, back to back. And so, if you're making that decision, you know, it's it's an informed decision. 
Yeah, that's very true. I mean, you can really sort of audition software in, in a very back-to-back sort of way that is otherwise kind of going to scramble your brain if you do it online, if there's a person that's yeah. talked to. Yeah, I like that. Makes sense. Wow, sounds uh, intense but fun. So we're going to leave it there for this episode. So Scott, thank you so much for coming to talk about scaling and <laughs> and yeah, buying, scaling and then selling again, a private label business, quite sort of all, all <laughs> human life in, in one sort of quick arc, really. So that's really exciting story and looking forward to hearing about scaling an Amazon reseller business as well. But for now, many, many thanks for coming on the show. Thanks so much for listening to the 10K Collective podcast for six and seven figure Amazon sellers. I really hope you found this show helpful. We've run interactive small group masterminds for six and seven figure Amazon sellers since September 2017. Members report things like I couldn't have done it without you and find each other a great resource, particularly in challenging times. Our biggest seller to date has broken through the eight figures a year mark in 2020. Members of the 10K Collective Mastermind are not newcomers. They sell private label or custom products on Amazon and they make a minimum of about $350,000 a year or £300,000 a year in revenue. In most cases, much higher than that. We're currently running both online and offline versions of the Mastermind. To find out more about that, go to www.theamazonmastermind.com. That's theamazonmastermind.com. Thank you very much for listening to the show.